Welcome to Pastor's Class, a Bible study program brought to you by Tim Say Ministries and Crossover Church. We pray this podcast will help enrich and strengthen your walk with Jesus Christ, and that it will lead you to read and study the scriptures more often. For more information about Tim Say Ministries and Crossover Church, please visit www.crossoverchurch.tv or give us a call at 301-927-5620. Turn our attention back to the book of James. And we're still in chapter 1 of James. And tonight as we look in James, we've gone from dealing with the issue last of temptation, now we're going to deal with the Word of God. And we see in the Word of God the power to regenerate, the power to illuminate, and the power to activate. We're going to see as we walk through the remaining part of this chapter. Look in James chapter 1 and verse 18. It says, in the exercise of his will, he brought, he brought us forth by the word of truth so that we would be a kind of first fruit among his creation. So now we see in that verse the power to regenerate, to give life, to give rebirth. And it says, in the exercise of his will. Understand something about God, that God is never forced He's never pressured. He's not manipulated. Everything that God does, he does within the context of his will. So God is fixed. I'll create a frame. God is fixed within the framework of his will. Ephesians chapter 1 says he does all things after the counsel of his will. He never veers outside of his will. So God is now established his will. So it even comes to the fact that when we pray, If we're going to expect God to do something, it's got to be within his will. And this is the confidence we have before him, that if he asks anything according to his will, he hears us. So if you want God to hear you, pray according to his will. We talked about Ephesians chapter 1 and verse 11. Let's turn to Ephesians 1 for a moment. Ephesians chapter 1, as we deal with this issue of being brought forth by the word of truth. In Ephesians 1... In verse 4, if you're there, say amen. Verse 4, I'll start at verse 3, since some of you are still trying to get there. Ephesians chapter 1, verse 3, it says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in Christ. And from that verse, he begins to show us the heavenly blessings that we possess. But he says in verse 4, just as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and blameless before him. In love, he predestined us to adoption as sons through Jesus Christ to himself, according to the kind intention of his will. It's the will of God that we are saved. And so God granted us grace by his will to have a relationship with him. And in his will, it was his objective that we would be holy and blameless. Ask somebody, are you holy and blameless? Did you get an answer? Of course you are. Because now we're talking about your status before God. 
The blood of Jesus makes you holy and blameless. As a matter of fact, in Colossians, as Paul writes under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit to the saints in Colossae, he says that we are holy, blameless, and beyond reproach. That's our status. That's how God the Father sees us. He sees us that, as that way through what the blood has accomplished. We're talking about status. We're not talking about behavior right now. We're talking about our position. We are holy, blameless, and beyond reproach. Amen. We're going to get to the behavior part, but that's just how the Father sees us because of what the blood has done, and it's according to his will. Amen? So he says here, in the exercise of his will, he brought us forth by the word of truth. He brought us forth. It would be said in Peter, and Peter would say that we've been born again of the seed, not a seed that's perishable, but imperishable, through the living and abiding word of God. That word seed is the Greek word spora. It's also akin to another word, sperma, which we get the word sperm. He's saying that you've been born again. The word of God is the seed of God, sown within your heart, and it produces new life. You are born again because of the word of God. And so here, James says the same thing. It's the word of God. According to the exercise of his will, he brought us forth. Now, we looked at that term being brought forth. We saw it when we dealt with temptation. And when we saw that in the process, he says, we, we looked at the fact that when lust in your heart is connected, it brings forth a child. It conceives and brings forth a child. That child's name is sin. When lusts in your heart are connected, it brings forth a child. That child's name is sin. And when sin is accomplished, it says, it brings forth death. So when lusts in your heart get together, conceives and brings forth a child, that child's name is sin. When that child grows up and matures, his name is death. Now, here James draws a contrast and says, but now you've been brought forth by the word of truth. So when your heart and the word of God comes together, it brings forth a new creation. You are born again. So why would we ever want to have a relationship with sin when we can have a relationship with the word of God? It's the difference between life and death. Now, so it's in this, in this point that we see James says, in the exercise of his will, he brought us forth by the word of truth that we should be a kind of, of first fruit among his creation. That we are first fruit. Now, that mankind, birthed of the Spirit, is in essence the first fruit for all of creation. That Romans says that creation waits for the manifestation of the sons of God. One translation says that creation waits on tippy-toe to see the sons of God come into their own. That what God does in us indeed becomes the catalyst for creation itself. Because everything was tainted by sin. When sin came in the world, everything was affected by sin. Creation and the created order was affected by sin. But now we are that first fruit of what the change, that ultimate change that would come. But now let's take it in this context, that as James is writing this, that the early believers, in essence, are a first fruit of generations of believers to come. That 
we are standing and reaping the consequences of what those early believers stood in and what they walked in and what they, they faced in those challenges as they believed God. We are reaping of that. And remember now, these early believers, they didn't read the book of James like, like we're reading it. <laughs> they didn't read Ephesians like we're reading it. Of course, they got these letters, but it's not like they had the Bible walking around. They had to encounter these truths in the context of, of being taught by the, the apostles and leaders. And so we have, we're reaping the benefits of their experience. And so it was written to them, but it was written for us. Now, so we see there's regeneration by the power of the Word of God. We're born again by the Word of God. He says now in verse 19, This you know, my beloved brethren, but, e but everyone must be quick to hear, slow to speak, and slow to anger. I know this is one of your memory verses. For the anger of man does not achieve the righteousness of God. Therefore, putting aside all filthiness and all that remains of wickedness, in humility receive the word implanted, which is able to save your souls. Now we see that the word of God it's the power of illumination. It, it illuminates us. It shows us things we ne would never see away from the Word of God. And what we see here is that James is saying, now that you know, you know something, you know that you've been born by the Word of truth. You've been born into the will of God. You've been born again. The Word of God was sown in you. There's a relationship, and it produced new life. Now that you know that on that foundation, you need to understand what the Word wants to do in your life now that you are born again. It's about now establishing an attitude and behavior and character that reveals the fact that you are holy, that you are blameless, and that you are beyond reproach. See, now we're getting into character, but it's the Word of God that shows us something. It's, it's the reality of looking in God's Word. You go, oh, oh, that explains it. Oh, that helps me see something about myself. The lights have been turned on. And if you've been walking with the Lord for some time, you have had those experiences where you say, the lights got turned on. And now I see. Now I see. Now it makes sense. Now it comes together. That's the Word of God working on us. That's the Word of God showing us. And so he says, this you know, my beloved brethren. And now he says, if you're going to grow, if you're going to develop, there's some key things you need to have in place. If you're going to get to that level now of manifesting holiness, and righteousness, and purity, and all those wonderful things, then you have to have some things in place. And the first one is you must be quick to hear. Ask somebody, are you quick to hear? Somebody said, huh? I heard that. <laughs> are you quick to hear? Now, it's important because we would see that this was a, an important theme, especially not only in the Old Testament, but in the New Testament. We see this idea of being able to hear the voice of God was so essential. And so we see Jesus saying it in the Gospels, that he who has an ear, let him hear. We see in the book of Revelation, he who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit is saying. He's not talking about your auditory ability to distinguish sounds. He's talking about your ability to hear and respond to the voice of God Almighty. So he who has an ear, can you hear what the Spirit of God is saying? And this comes down to the issue now of being able now to hear the voice of God. Oh, my goodness. Hearing the voice of God. How do you learn to hear the voice of God? 
Well, you've got to have a relationship with the voice of God so you can learn to hear the voice of God. So I must read his voice, study his voice, so I can hear his voice. I'm going to say it again. So you got to read his voice, study his voice, meditate on his voice, so you can hear his voice. You know, I've been in ministry a little while now. I mean, our church is about to celebrate its 29th anniversary. Wow. And then I've been in ministry predating that, so I've been in ministry over 30-something years. And I've seen a lot regarding church and development and people over 30 years working with the people of God. Oh, God's been good to me. <laughs> and I tell you, I, I really mean that because I'm looking at, I was just sharing with our pastors in a meeting today that some of the current statistics on ministry and pastors and how many pastors have given up on ministry or stopped or, or, or got depressed or, or fell into moral failure. I mean, the weight of the ministry and them responding to it, maybe inappropriately, things have happened. And for God to preserve us and keep us, I, I am so grateful. I don't take that, I don't take it lightly at all. And so to be in ministry over 30-something years, wow, and still have a passion for ministry and for the people of God and to love the people of God and want to be around the people of God. <laughs> I mean, that excites me. So I'm grateful for that. And yet, one of the things I've seen over and over is people say, God has said to me. And, and I mean, that's good. I mean, we can hear the voice of God. God does speak to us. Let me tell you one thing I've heard over and over and it's interesting, it's people say, the Lord said that that's going to be my husband or that's going to be my wife. I mean, over 30-something years I've heard that. I've, heard, I've seen people go out and buy their wedding dress without even a, you know, a connection to a person, not a relationship, because they said God said it to them. I knew, I knew of a pastor who uh, was pastoring, and he was a single man, and, and there were a number of people who felt like that was going to be, the Lord said, that's going to be my husband. And when he got married, 400 women, I was told, left the church. That, now, how did all those women <laughs> hear, did God speak to all of them and say, that's going to be your husband? Talk about personal. It was literally weeks before I got married that a young lady came up to me and said, the Lord said that you're supposed to be my husband. I know you're about to get married. But the Lord says that you're supposed to be my husband. And I want to be as gracious as possible and just say, you know, I, that's, the Lord is not saying that to me. I don't believe that's a word from God for me or for you. And she was dating somebody else when she said it. <laughs> and so we can get really messed up with this kind of stuff. And we, how do we avoid that? We've got to have a relationship with the voice of God Study the voice of God, because God never contradicts himself. And I've seen, and I want to tell you, over time, I've seen so many saints get discouraged and messed up in their walk because they thought they heard God, and when something didn't come to pass, I don't know if I can hear God's voice anymore. But see, yes, you can. Here it is. The voice of God is right here. It stays sure. It doesn't change. And so if you had a moment where you felt like you heard God's voice and you missed it, just get back into the Word of God. Study His Word. Be encouraged. It's all right. Get up again and, and continue on because God is still speaking to you. And the more you spend time with His Word, you'll be able to hear His voice. 
You'll be able to hear him direct you in the particular things as you learn to spend time with his voice. So you must be quick to hear. Tell somebody you need to be quick to hear. Quick to hear. Quick to hear. Say, be quick. Quick to hear. That's so important. Uh, The Bible makes it clear that we're to be quick to hear and slow to speak. Slow to speak. Are you slow to speak? See, the Bible makes it clear, and, and you know what, in Proverbs chapter 10, this is a great verse. You've got to write this verse down. You need to look it up. You need to have this in your memory file. Proverbs chapter 10, in Proverbs chapter 10, did I say that? Right? Proverbs chapter 10, right? Okay. <laughs> I want to make sure I gave you the right verse. Yes, Proverbs chapter 10. There you go. In verse 19, it says, When there are many words, transgression is inavoidable. But he who restrains his lips is wise. Wow. In the abundance of words, sin is inavoidable. If you talk too much, you're setting the stage to say something you shouldn't say. Remember, Paul says, let no unwholesome word proceed from your mouth, but only such a word is good for the edification, that according to the need of the moment, that it may give grace to those who hear. In Ephesians 4 and verse 29. So it's important that we realize he's talking about here, don't say too much. And it's not, he's not saying don't speak. He's saying be slow. Slow. Wait a minute. Don't speak so many words that you speak faster than you're able to filter. And I believe it's (laughs) one of the things that happens is we begin to feel like we have to speak to something. We have to say something. We got to get our side out. We got to communicate. We got to get it out. And that sets the stage for, for bad stuff to happen. You ever had a moment where you felt compelled to say something and maybe before you said it, maybe you heard the voice of God said, don't say it. And what happened? You said it. And then you realize why you shouldn't have said it. The one time you heard the voice of God. No. (laughs) And so he says here, quick to hear, quick to hear. And it's important that, as it says, quick to hear, I believe that we get in trouble. And, and, and I can point this out. One of the translations for this says, pause a while. Pause a while. Another translation says, let be and be still. Before you say anything, let be and be still. That sounds like that verse in in the Psalms where it says, be still and know that I'm God. And I think the problem is many times we get in trouble because we can't be still enough to allow God to be God. And so we speak because we are not secure in the sufficiency of God to handle something. So we have to speak up. We have to say something. We have to put our, our part in because we don't believe God is sufficient enough to handle it. But can we be still and quiet enough to believe God's got this? That 
if God handles this, we don't have to always get up and say something. Not every situation requires a word from us. And sometimes we can see order coming and peace coming and things being established when we keep quiet. Or at least if we wait long enough. Wait long enough. And that brings us to this third point, be slow to anger. Slow to anger. Ask somebody next to you, I mean, very gently, to say, do you have anger issues? Just, do you? <laughs> the thing about being slow to anger, because it says the anger of man, in essence, does not achieve the righteousness of God. The reason we've got to be careful here, it's not, he said, slow to anger. He didn't say, don't be angry. He said, slow to anger. There's times we need to be angry. There are times we need to be upset about something. There are things we saw in Scripture that God got angry about. And what happens, I think many things, many, many times, the problem is that there are Christians who get mad at the wrong things and are passive about the things they really should get upset about. And so here it's important, it's not that we are not angry about certain things, things that God gets angry about. That's key. Get angry about the things that God gets angry about. Not just somebody getting on your nerves, right? Not just you getting slighted or whatever. Matter of fact, the real issue that when you have relational conflict, the goal is that you confront or correct somebody so they can do better. Not so you can get back at them. (laughs) And so the problem happens is when we get angry, if we do it, instead of doing slow to anger, but quick to anger, the problem is we will let our emotions lead us rather than the Spirit of God leading us. And so we, we're going to be emotionally led rather than spirit-led. And how many know when you're emotionally led, sometimes you've gone too far, it's kind of hard to bring it back at that point because you've already extended yourself emotionally. And so be slow to anger. Tell somebody to be slow to anger. Now, it's on that foundation. What foundation? Quick to hear, slow to speak, slow to anger, that you can begin to do some things in God. If you can get those in place, you've got the foundation of really maturing in your walk. And so here he says, here are these things you can begin to do. Verse 21, therefore, based on that, putting aside all filthiness and all that remains of wickedness. Filthiness, all of it. Notice it's the word all. All of it. Moral filth needs to be removed. That which is indecent needs to be removed from your life. That which is unacceptable needs to be separated. Remove it. Disconnect from it. Put it away. Not in the idea of putting it away where you know where it is and go, you can go find it. <laughs> but get it away from you. <laughs> Separate yourself from filthiness. And all that remains of wickedness. Wickedness. All that remains See, when you came into the kingdom of God and the word of God, your heart and the word of God got together, it produced new life. You were born again. But the issue is, you were born again. Your spirit came alive, but your mind had history. 
history of experiences, history of sin, history of failure. All your, that's all in your mind. That's why the charge of Scripture is to renew your mind. But there's a lot in your mind. And there's still some filthiness and wickedness. Wickedness, all that remains of wickedness. Th- that means even though you're saved, you're still twisted. Wickedness. Like wicker, wicker furniture, which is twisted. And so when you come into the kingdom, it's about straightening up the way you think. So you can now be aligned with God. So remove all the twisted thinking and renew your mind to make it consistent with the mind of God. And so remove all filthiness and all wickedness. Now come into a place of being able to think the way God wants us to think so we can carry ourselves the way God wants us to carry ourselves. But it requires something. It requires humility. You will not experience change without humility. See, what humility says, God is right. Humility says, I am wrong. And until you come to a place of saying, God is right, and I am wrong, you will not have significant change. You may have a momentary turn. You know, it's like a person who's been battling, dealing with some vice or something, says, I need to fix this, and they try for a while. But until you realize, I need God absolutely, unequivocally, I need God. Until I come to a place of really resting in God, I'm going to be in trouble. In humility, he says, receive the word implanted, which is able to save your soul. In humility, receive that word, that word, and and let it have a place of lodging in you, that it can begin to produce what God wants to produce in your life. So what creates that platform for the word to do what it needs to do? humility. Be humble. See, come to the Word with a realization, I need to see and grasp and apply what God is saying. I remember uh, working with a gentleman, this is years ago, and he is coming to the kingdom. I, I led him to Christ, and I was helping him grow. And every time I was trying to teach him something, he would say, I know. I know. And I said, well, the Bible says, I know. And I just knew he was set up for a fall. Because he just knew. And I don't know if that was a trigger response, but it, it's, it's something in his spirit that I think that sets him up to, to veer off from where God wanted to take him. The realization is there are things we realize we still need God to show us. <laughs> What's it? Jeremiah 33.3 says, Call to me and I answer you and tell you great and mighty things which you do not know. Well, guess what? God knows you don't know. And we need to know we don't know. There are things we don't know. There are things that we don't have answers to yet that we need God's mind. We need to know. Situations came up this week, and I was, I was puzzled. My goodness, I, I was taken aback by something. I said, God, I need your mind. I need to know how to respond to this, how to, how to proceed in this, because I need your ways. We need to say, I, I don't have it all. <laughs> right? have it all. I mean, it's not even even at the close to the all place yet. (laughs) There's so much I need in God. Without him, I can do nothing. So he says, in humility, receive the word implanted, which is able to save your soul. You say, well, I thought I was already saved. Yes, you're saved, but there needs to be a work done in your soul, your mind, 
your emotions, the way you process life. See, and it comes down to it. It's like, it's like having a sickness and getting the right medicine and immediately you begin to see the therapeutic process. So you got a, a spiritual sickness, you got a vice, you got an issue, you got a, a stumbling block in your walk and you put the word on it and it begins to heal that area of your life. And so I've got to receive the word in planet which can save my soul, which can turn me around. You may be saved. How many know there are people who are walking with the Lord who are saved, but they got, they got attitudes and issues and, and choices in their life that can kill them. And they need to take hold of the word of God in order for them to live. Not to live physically, but also to live in, in, the, in, pro, in a productive way, to live in a way that produces great things. So we need the word of God. And then he says something here. He says in verse, verse 22, and this brings us to the place that we see the power of the word of God to activate. And now, now we got to move into, move into exercising these truths. The word of God has indeed caused us to be born again. The word of God has shown us and illuminated us about things we need to adjust, but now we need to activate it. Verse 22, but prove yourself to be a doer of the word and not merely a hearer who deludes themselves. So it's not enough just to hear it. You've got to do it. And he says, if you don't make that connection, you will delude yourself or you will be deceived. That word deceived, it's to, to misjudge. You'll misjudge yourself. You may think you're one way when you're really this way. You may think you're that advanced when you're really at a very, very impeded place in your walk. He says, now you got to be not just a hearer, but you got to be a doer. You got to apply it. And the problem is, I think there are times we equate what we know with what we think we do. And just because we know it doesn't mean we're applying it, right? It's like having a position or having a title doesn't mean you're exercising all that's expected of the position. And being able to hear something doesn't mean you're applying it in your life. Even if you can quote the scriptures, doesn't mean you're doing them. <laughs> you know, you can, you can quote John or, or 1 Corinthians 13 about love. That doesn't mean you're a loving person. That just means you know the verses on love. And so it's, he's saying not just being a hearer, but a doer. And then he illustrates this. And I love this illustration in verse 23. He says, for if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he is like a man who looks at his natural face in a mirror. For once he has looked at himself and gone away, he immediately, he, he immediately has forgotten, look at this, what kind of person he was. Not just forgot what he looked like, he forgot what kind of person he was. So he says here that that person looks in a mirror. Imagine, he gets up and he looks in the mirror. And, and the idea of look here is not, a, not a, a passing glance, but he looks with full observation. That's the meaning of this word. He looks with full observation. And then he walks away from the mirror. And once he gets away from the mirror, he completely forgot what he saw in the mirror. Now that doesn't sound right. That, that's the image, that's the reality of deception. And so when you look into the mirror of God's word and the word shows you yourself, 
shows you what you ought to be, shows you what you are to rise to, shows you your calling, shows you your kingdom identity. You see it in yourself. This is what God expects of me. Then you walk away from the word and you forget everything you just saw. That's called deception. You, wait a minute, didn't I just see it? And I can tell you, you, you will forget what you don't value. You will forget what you don't value. If you don't value the word of God, you will forget it. So it's interesting because we got to be careful. We cannot reduce our encounter with the word of God to a Sunday morning message only. We need to be in the word consistently. And James will get to this. James begins to address that. He says now in verse 25, but the one who looks intently at the perfect law, the law of liberty, and abides by it, not having become a forgetful hearer, but an effectual doer, this man will be blessed in what he knows, blessed in what he does. And so here James says, there are four key things that you need to begin to implement if you're going to be blessed and come into a place of maturity. Number one, the first thing you need to do is that you need to look intently. Look intently into the perfect law, the law of liberty, the word of God. Look intently. The Bible calls us, it says, study to show yourself approved, a workman who does not need to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of God. Get into the word of God. Study it. Look intently into it. Let God reveal himself as you study the word of God. This needs to be an, a consistent process. Now, I want to commend those who come to Bible study. You're saying, I'm, I have a hunger to grow in the word of God. And what we're doing even in this process is we're going through the book of James. And why is that so important? Because we're methodically going through the context of the Bible. And, I, and it's great that there are times you can do a topical study. I just did a topical study on grace. We just went four weeks on grace, and we looked at the topic of grace. And, and that's great, and that's wonderful. And I, for me, that's, that's, there are times I can do a topical study, but because I'm so given to the context, it's like a jazz musician who plays pop. There's always going to be some jazz chords in there slipped in. And even when I do a topical study, I'm still going to go back and make sure we want to do justice to the context. And here, it's when you walk through, you're beginning to see some things. The flow of thought helps you to understand going from temptation into laying aside filthiness and, and understanding the power of God's word. And he's going to take us to places of how we regard one another and all those things. And then the issue of the tongue and all those things, you'll see the connection and the flow of those thoughts. Well, it's important. You've got to look intently into the word of God. Amen. Amen. You've got to study it. Give yourself to it. And then he says... He says, and abide by it. Abide by it. Spend time with it. Have a relationship with the Word of God. I did a message a while ago entitled, Romancing God's Words. Get close to it. Invest yourself in it. Study it, and then let it, let it begin to saturate you. Meditate on the Word of God. You'll be like a tree planted by the waters that will not be moved abide in the word and then the, the next thing the third thing is not having become a forgetful hearer give yourself to the word of God get it in you and let it have place in you that you don't go around forgetting and, and I think there are times you need to even memorize some scriptures because 
I know, I mean, we, we know the Bible seems to be more accessible. You got your phone and everything. What happens when the power goes out? I don't know. What, what happens, you know, if your Bible is not accessible? You need to get the word in you. Sometimes you may find yourself under attack at, in the middle of the night. All the lights out. You need to have a word in your spirit. You need to be able to, to counteract the, the assaults of the enemy on your soul, on your heart. Get the word inside of you. And then this last area, he says, and become an effectual doer. You got to do it. You got to apply the word of God because that's the reality that God speaks to us, God guides us, God empowers us with his word so that we can live it. That's when he gives strength to the presence of the word of God in your life, that you become a doer of the word of God. And that man, that man, that woman will be blessed. Do you want to be blessed? You're going to be blessed according to the word of God. You study it, you abide in it, you remember it, you hold on to it, and you apply it in your life, and you will see the blessings of God in your life. It'll shape the way you communicate, which we'll see later in in James. It'll shape the way you deal with people because the Word of God is before you. It will give you the capacity to be slow to speak and quick to listen. It will help you, when, and when you want to get angry, that word will begin to be so present in your life, it'll pull you back and say, okay, this, this, this is it, you know, because you're going to be able to hear the voice of God through the word because you've had a relationship with the word of God. Amen? Let's, try, let's take on these last two verses in closing. It says this, if anyone thinks himself to be religious, and yet does not bridle his tongue, but deceives his own heart, this man's religion is worthless. Pure and undefiled religion in the sight of our God and Father is this, to visit orphans and widows in their distress and to keep oneself unstained by the world. Wow. Okay, let's just just try to hit this for a moment. And that is this. He says, if anyone thinks himself to be religious... But see, religious here is not in the pejorative sense. It's not a negative reference. It's, let's put it this way. If anyone thinks himself to be a believer, we, we can say it that way. Because sometimes we, we get caught up in this word religion and, and we kind of make it always negative. James is not referring to a negative reference when he says religion here. He's talking about your position, your attitude, your, your submission to God, your belief in God. That if you really believe in God, then you're going to bridle your tongue. Wow. That if you really believe in God, it shapes the way you communicate. If you really believe in God, it, it will allow you now to begin to be proactive about blessing people around you, addressing human needs, being sensitive to those around if you. If the Word of God is really working on you, your world will get bigger than just you and your needs. And you will discover it will show you things of impurity that need to be removed from your life. Wow. The Word of God will change us. It's been said that a person whose Bible is worn out usually has a life that's not worn out. The more you give yourself to the study of the Word, wear this thing out, see it undone, you'll see your life put together. And maybe if your Bible's on your phone, you know, if, you're by, if your phone's worn out, maybe because you're using your phone too much, 
<laughs> That's all I'm going to say to that. Would you stand with me? Thank you for listening to Pastor's Class. We hope you enjoyed this program. For more messages and Bible study teachings, please visit www.crossoverchurch.tv or give us a call at 301-927-5620. If you live in the D.C., Maryland, or Virginia area, come visit us at our home location, 5340 Baltimore Avenue, Hyattsville, Maryland, 20781. Pastor's Class is a weekly Bible study that occurs Wednesday nights at 7 p.m. at our home location. We would love for you to join us. May God bless you and guide you as you continue to study to show thyself approved in the grace of Christ Jesus.